Hello, soccer fans. Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 77. I'm your host, Sal Qatar, and I'm excited to talk to you guys today about the exciting things going on in the soccer world. The European season is almost in full swing. We've got a couple important leagues starting off, including the English Premier League and League A, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about some of those leagues as well as the Spanish Super Cup that happened and a few other things going around generally in European soccer. So right away, the biggest thing that I need to mention is also the biggest transfer ever. Neymar joined PSG from FC Barcelona for a fee of 222 million euros. That was his release clause, and PSG met it regardless of FFP, and I didn't actually think this was going to happen. I thought that Neymar would want to stick in that legendary front three with Luis Suarez and Lionel Messi, but no, he chose to come to PSG, and his reasoning was that it was a challenge. Uh, that could definitely be a part of it, but we also know how much money he's making, around 30 million uh, euros a year, uh, and that's not even including endorsements and everything else. So obviously, money could have been a factor, but he's not going to say that. But either way, I mean, you have to just be shocked looking at that number. It, it didn't really seem real at first. But, you know, I think that for soccer, it's... Uh, a decent move. We get to see three, the three best players in the world, in my opinion, at least Messi, Neymar, Suarez, or sorry, not Messi, Neymar, Suarez, Messi, Neymar, and Ronaldo are on different teams now. And maybe that'll provide for some more balance. Maybe it'll provide for some more interesting champions leagues. And hopefully Barcelona can find a way to replace him. And I'll get into that later, but um, overall, Neymar, a very talented player. It's hard to say that anyone's worth 222 million euros, but I think he's the third best player in the world. And if PSG wants to go all in, they want to win the Champions League. They want to just ensure that they can easily slide through league. Uh, the Neymar is definitely the guy that can provide them with that. Technically, very gifted, obviously. You, you watch him play and his skills, his, his dribbling is just almost unmatched in today's game. And, you know, his passing and finishing is great, too. So, and, I mean, his pace, really, what what, <laughs> what he's trying to achieve, his his attributes just completely line up. So, I, I have a lot of respect for him, and I think that I, I support this move. Um, Barcelona's got some things they need to figure out, but PSG fans, I would be excited. I, I, I wouldn't look too much into the money because you've got a world-class superstar joining your club. And that's actually how I'm going to transition into the first game I'm going to be talking about, which is Gingam. Or Gingam sorry, I, I've heard different pronunciations of that, but it's, I think it's Gingam versus PSG. They hosted PSG in the second league a match. PSG coming off a win. They had three points. Now they need to rack up a few more wins to get comfortable ahead of teams like Lyon and Monaco. Neymar made his debut in this game alongside with a front three of Di Maria and Edinson Cavani, some South Americans that we all know and love. And in the first half, there were some decent chances by both sides. I thought PSG had control, but not by too much. I mean, they were, like, way ahead in shots. I remember, I think it was at 30 or 35 minutes, Gingamp didn't really have many shots, but they were still providing chances. You know, they they just couldn't turn them into, uh, you know, shots. Or the final ball, obviously... I mean, you know, it's Gingamp. It's a it's a mid to low low side for league. Uh, 
And, it, you know, it's not going to be that perfect, especially when you're playing defenders like Marquinhos, Kurzawa, and Thiago Silva. So, understandable, but I, I, th- and I thought they, did, they, they put a good effort uh, in the first half. But right away, the focus was Neymar, and he was an amazing force on the pitch. Technically, he was deployed as a left wing in a 4-3-3, but you wouldn't really be able to tell that. He was playing a free-flowing free flowing, excuse me, attacking role, and you could really find him anywhere on the pitch, and he was just doing skills and nutmegs within the first 30 minutes, and we, his skills were on full display, and I think we're going to see that more on this PSG side than we did when he was playing on Barcelona. But also, some of his through balls and passing impressed me too, and... I'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, the biggest chance was probably actually produced by Neymar in the form of a cross, like I said, with his passing. And he played a really good ball into Marquinhos, who had a free header, but he could only get it onto the crossbar, and then that kind of rattled out for a chance for Cavani, who tried to bicycle kick it in, but he couldn't quite get the timing right. I think if he did it perfectly, like the ball was low enough that he could have gotten it, but obviously, you know, split-second thinking, it's very hard. Um, that was a very hard chance, and it would have been, you know, obviously very impressive if Edinson Cavani finished that. Now, at the start of the second half in the 52nd minute, um, Neymar made a really threatening run and tried to play a through ball, which was cleared out by Pedro Rebocho, and that clearance fell to another uh, Wingant player, uh, Jordan Kurzikoko, uh, who was actually a former PSG player, and he tried to play it back to the keeper, Johnson, but he couldn't get to it, and it ended up going off the right, his right post and in. So, very, you know, I mean, I guess you can give credit to Neymar for, and, and Cavani for the movement up front. But I, the communication between Ikoko and Johnson just wasn't there. I mean, it wasn't, you know, if Rebosho was, I mean, it wasn't a terrible clearance. Like, I can, I can see what he was trying to do. And Ikoko should be able to either boot that forward or play a safe ball back to the keeper. But it wasn't a good pass, and the former PSG player ended up letting Gingob down. And this was a key point in the game, because after this, I thought PSG really started to take control of the game. So just 10 minutes later, Neymar started a run from his own box and played this great, great through ball with the perfect amount of pace and weight on it into space for Edison Cavani, who calmly takes a touch and then slots it home from the edge of the box as Johnson approaches him. He didn't have much time. He had to think very fast and be very composed, and it was a great finish uh, to the far right corner from Cavani's point of view. In the 82nd minute, Levin Korzawa played a ball in for Neymar, whose header was deflected out to Edinson Cavani. Cavani beats a few defenders and crosses it into the center of the box, and who else is there but Neymar Jr., and it's 3-0. So, that's good. Get that, get that you know, first goal syndrome out of the way. You know, you don't want people saying, oh, it's been three games and Neymar still hasn't scored a goal, even though that wouldn't be that bad if he's settling in. It's just good to get that first goal out of the way, but also... What a performance by Neymar. I mean, his passing was just incredible. And I know you have better, you have, you know, really good passers in the Barcelona midfield uh, and really good passing from Neymar and Suarez. So he didn't always get to showcase that. And it, honestly, it caught me by surprise some of these balls that he was playing. Um, you, you know, even on those chances that I mentioned, the, the, that ball to Marquinhos was a very good swerving early cross. And then that well weighted ball to Cavani was just very good. Um, I, I remember in the first half, he had a really nice long ball that threaded through like three defenders and almost got to Danny Elbows who tried to produce a cross, but it was, it was, I mean, debatably like 
it was a little bit long for Danny Elvis, but it would be very hard to play it right right to him or, or right past him the way the way that Neymar tried to attempt that pass. Like, you couldn't get much better than that playing it on the ground. So, uh, I mean, his passing, man, that, that just really impressed me. And we saw him really take command of that attack. And I think that Di Maria and Cavani are great players, and they're going to... But they're going to be second to Neymar, and I think that in Cavani's case, sometimes, sometimes when he's been the player, he's been the goal scorer for PSG, he's let them down sometimes. His end product, you know, I actually believe in his end product. Some people make fun of him for missing chances, but I think he makes up for it with really good finishes, like like the one we saw in this game. And I think that he's a great striker, and I think he's going to look even better when Neymar is supplying him some chances, as we saw that he already did in this game, so... I, I'm really excited to see what this attack can do because, man, I, I, I was very impressed. Now, I know this is not the best side in the world. I know that PSG got 74 possession, but does it really mean that 74% possession, but does it really mean that much against Gingop? I mean, no, but it's good to know that I think that, you know, once this team gets chemistry, they can easily just dismantle these teams. I mean, rack up on goal differential and extend that lead beyond your Leones and your Monacos, uh, who have six points as well right now. So, and also, I mean, yeah, it's maybe, you know, a concern for PSG might be they don't have the depth to, to stack up against a side like Real Madrid. But I think if you're taking care of some of these league games, if you're building up that lead early, you don't need to worry as much about the league come January, come February, March, and April for those, you know, more important knockout uh, or, or legged, two-legged Champions League fixtures. So, and you can focus more on those Champions League games rather than the league. So, I definitely think that you don't have that much to worry about um, if you're a PSG fan in terms of depth, because I think that they're going to build on this lead very nicely. But they did have 21 shots to Gingam's three. Like I said, Gingam didn't really do much of anything in the, in the second half, which is unfortunate because they looked fine before that that own goal by Ikoko. So, um, but either way, I mean, I'm, this is probably the last time we're going to be talking about Gingam anyway. <laughs> um, but that was a fun game. I, you know, I may touch on PSG more. Uh, no spoilers, though. Uh, Another big game that happened was uh, on Sunday was between Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, this was the Spanish Super Cup, which, if you don't know what that means, it's the winner of last year's domestic cup, or Copa del Rey, versus the winner of last year's league, La Liga. Uh, the winner of last year's La Liga was Real Madrid. The winner of last year's Copa del Rey was Barcelona. And this is a two-legged fixture. Um, so, you know, after they played in Barcelona on Sunday, they're going to play on Wednesday again in Madrid. So, uh, but I'm going to cover this game first. So in the 49th minute, Marcelo played a ball into the box and Gerard Piquet tries to clear it, but it ends up going into the back of his own net. It actually kind of looked like a really good finish. Like it was, it was like, (laughs) like that would have been a really impressive goal if he was like actually scoring it on a different net. It was, it was just, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and I know I didn't, uh, and before I move on, I know I didn't talk really anything about the first half. I'll get into that a little bit later, but I really didn't think there was that much going on. It wasn't very exciting at all. In the 58th minute, a huge thing happens to this game. Real Madrid's up 1-0 right now, and Cristiano Ronaldo gets subbed on. And obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo, probably the second best player on the pitch, and one of the best players in the world. He's going to provide an impact. We know he is. And 
in the 70s, so just keep that in mind, I guess. In the 77th minute, Luis Suarez is on a Barcelona attack, and he goes down easily after barely being touched by Kaylor Navas. He just takes a touch past the keeper, and Navas just barely gets t- touches him, but, but the referee decides to call it a penalty. Everyone's upset. Sergio Ramos is, like, kind of pushing around Suarez, who's on the ground. It feels like a Clasico at this point. And Messi just does what he's supposed to do, comes up and takes the penalty, gets in the bottom left corner, and you're in the 78th minute, you can breathe a little bit. I mean, I know no one cares that much about this, but <laughs> you're in the 77th minute right now, Barcelona, just just hang on, at least get at least get a draw, because it seems like it seems like Real Madrid's getting more chances now. And that, but that's not exactly how it happened. In the 80th minute on the counterattack, Ishko played in Ronaldo, who beat PK on the edge of the box and fires a rocket past Ter Stegen. Takes his shirt off, as he does in situations like this. Gets a yellow card, which is going to come into effect. But, um, I, you know, I never, like, necessarily thought that that should be a yellow card. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo has been playing long enough. He knows, like, what gets you a yellow card. So, it's, it, I mean, it's, I'm not saying that, you know, oh, poor Ronaldo, he got a yellow card. No, but I'm just saying in general, I don't necessarily agree with that rule. I mean, like, there, there have been more obnoxious celebrations and... You know they don't they don't those don't necessarily get carded so I don't know why that specifically has been such a such a focus for referees to give yellow cards on. But anyways, great goal by Ronaldo. Um, gets the ball just he doesn't doesn't do too much but just uses his his little tight dribbles to get around Pete Gerard PK and just rockets it into his top right corner past Ter Stegen and. It was just a like a beautiful finish, and like the thing about Ronaldo that you notice is that he really doesn't need much momentum to 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 fire a rocket off in, into the back of the net. Like he he just he wasn't making like a big run. He didn't have a bunch of time to you know swing his arm and and lean back or whatever. He just he just you couldn't even like there wasn't much time between when he was beating PK and when he was taking the shot. So. Impressive stuff by Ronaldo, but, you know, we all know what Ronaldo can do. Two minutes later, Ishko plays a through ball to Cristiano Ronaldo into the box. He's getting some pressure from Umtiti behind and gets tangled up as he goes down. So, I mean, in this situation, from what I saw, there was enough contact to make Ronaldo go down, but I also understand if, you know, the referee doesn't want to call a penalty. What I don't agree with what the referee did was giving a yellow card for a dive, and that yellow card obviously turn into a red card, and that ended up, you know, uh, suddenly Barcelona thinks that they can, you know, get a, get a late goal, get tie this up, get a draw going into Madrid, but actually first, before I move on to Real Madrid's next goal, uh, I should mention that Ronaldo shoves the referee, and uh, now we're getting word that he is banned for five matches. So, you know, I think that shoving the referee, we've seen Ronaldo do this type of stuff before. He's he gets angry, he d- can't really control himself. Um yeah, that's a no-no. Touch even touching the referee, but let alone shoving him, actually pushing him. I mean, it wasn't a hard push, it was with one hand, but really inexcusable. I think 5 matches is appropriate. Um but uh it'll be important cuz he's going to miss that second leg of the Super Cup and uh four fixtures uh, that that could, that could that could be big, but I think that Ronaldo, Real Madrid definitely has the depth and the attacking power to to cover up for that with other threats. Um, 
even Gareth Bale in this game like looked decent, and he really ha- he didn't look that good for for a lot of the preseason and you know parts of last year when he was played played. But I, I think that he he looked he looked like fairly threatening. I mean, he still we still know that he's not he's not what he used to be. He's not the injuries have definitely hampered him down a little bit. But I think that. I think that you know he can he can take baby steps and he can get back to a, a very good point in his career. Anyways, moving on <laughs> to the 90th minute, Lucas Vasquez makes a nice little run to the center, play, uh, gets onto his left foot and plays a ball out wide to Marco Asensio on the left hand side. Asensio keeps separation from PK, doesn't really try to beat him, just stays far away from him and rockets it past Ter Stegen in, like into the upper part of the net, like above Ter Stegen's head with his favorite left foot. And really, really, really good stuff uh, from this counterattack. You know, Vasquez and Asensio, two players, not regular starters, getting the job done, and Real Madrid's depth just coming through. And I think, I mean, that shows you right now that Real Madrid don't have anything to worry about, I don't think, for the next four games. And um, Asensio just making a really big name for himself. Um, you know, I, I think that loan from Real Madrid just really did well. I think it was to Espanol. I could be wrong, but, uh, cause when he came, when he came back, he came back just a great, more refined player. So, um, very impressive there. Um, but overall, my general thoughts on this game. Now, there were a couple, there were a couple moments here where I feel like Barcelona's center backs, PK and Umtiti were just playing the game like this was um, a provincial La Liga side. No, this is Real Madrid, and you're going to need to, you know, uh, play and, you know, use tactics a little bit differently. So, I mean, I do think that the approach to this game didn't seem, didn't seem like something I wanted to see. They didn't seem as energetic. They didn't seem as interested. But also... I th- just think that, you know, Real Madrid is a better team now. I think that Real Madrid is just clearly the stronger side. Like, I think that with Barcelona right now, you're at a point where you used to be able to cover up your lack of depth, your your thin nature of your team with star power, with Neymar, Messi, and Suarez. But maybe just Messi and Suarez isn't enough to cover up for that weak point. Barcelona needs to find a player of that can reach Neymar's caliber quickly and play in that front three as fluidly as Neymar did. Because I don't think, you know, you can finish second, you can go far in the Champions League, but you're you're competing right now with PSG and Real Madrid, and you know, you got you. They need a world to bring in a world class player. If they if they can't find a replacement, um, I mean, I know. They they did use some of their money and got Paulinho, but that really doesn't help their Neymar problem. Uh, I mean, that is good depth, but uh, I mean, you know, I, I haven't followed Paulinho in China, so I can't really say how much that will do. But I know that it won't help with that Neymar problem, and I really think they need to sign a world class player. But Real Madrid, this team just isn't 
isn't weak anywhere. I mean, I really don't think so. I think that Rafael Varane and Sergio Ramos, they're technically very good. They can they, they have the ability to play out of the back sometimes. They're they, they have the pace to catch up. They can win to catch up with attackers. They can win foot races. And I, I've been really impressed with that back line. I think they've made big strides over the last like five years. I think Sergio Ramos like used to be kind of a liable defender at times. Like he used to use his technical ability to his disadvantage sometimes, but I think now he's he's really found a great balance. And um, Real Madrid, wow, um, very impressed with, impressed with them. And I think that they have just outmatched Barcelona, and Barcelona needs to do something about it right now. Um, but uh, I'm going to move on from that. We're going to have another leg, and I will cover that. Uh, it'll be on Wednesday at 5 o'clock Eastern time in Madrid. I think you can catch that on ESPN. Um, but I think it'll just be Real Madrid finishing off Barcelona. But it's still going to be entertaining. I still love watching El Clasico, no matter what form it comes in. Even that friendly. Like, the first half of that friendly was, like, pretty good for a friendly. I'm talking about the International Champions Cup game in July. Um, that, yeah, that, that, that was that was some decent stuff. Um, I So, I didn't have a chance to, you know, watch in full length uh, a Premier League game. I watched some halves here and there, but I was in vacation in Seattle, so I I, I just didn't couldn't find the time. But um, I I did want to share a story from the Premier League. Um, I think that also this is kind of a neat thing that I can incorporate into the podcast. Maybe you know I don't want to you know necessarily cover games that I didn't watch because I mean I just won't have as much to say about the tactics and the stuff that was happening in between the goals, but. Um, with a story, you know, I can, I can provide a little bit of, you know, background. I can, uh, you know, use my narrative skills, I guess, to, um, paint a cool picture about a player, a coach, a team, just anything really that's interesting. And this week it's going to be Wayne Rooney scoring in Goodison Park to lift Everton over Stoke. So if you didn't know, Wayne Rooney was born in Liverpool he grew up in Everton, and he was a youth product of Everton, actually. He joined their side at nine years old. Um, when he was 11, actually, in the, in the Merseyside Derby, he was a mascot. He got to walk out uh, onto the pitch with the players. Um, he played there for three years on the senior team before Everton had to sell him in 2004 for financial reasons. Everton didn't want to sell him. He didn't want to leave, but they were in debt, and they had to do what they had to do. Um, so he went to Manchester United, obviously was a legend at Manchester United. Um, uh, but even while playing on Manchester United, Wayne Rooney admitted to wearing Everton pajamas when he went to sleep. So he, Everton still had a big place in his heart. Um, after rejecting offers from other clubs where he would make more money this summer, uh, he returned to his former club on a free transfer. So back to Everton from Manchester United. And on Sunday against Stoke on his league debut, he received a cross from Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the right-hand side and headed it home past Jack Butland in the 45th minute plus one, I guess, in additional time. So on top of that, he just looked really good in this game. He He had great vision, made the right decisions, and it looks like he's settling in nicely. You know, the pressure was very high at Manchester United, and once he started to fall off a little bit, he could never really get back to a point that we want to see Wayne Rooney in form-wise. But I think that in this in this comforting environment for him, one where the expectations are a little bit lower, he can rise, and I think that he's going to have a great season. 
Um, obviously, he's got the he's got the work rate. He's got the skill set. He he can do it, and I, I think he will. As he said, uh, what what he did against Stoke, the way that he did it in his league debut, coming back, it doesn't get much better. Actually, and, and I was thinking about this. Actually, uh, a lot of players scored on their debut. You had Salah scoring for Liverpool in their 3-3 tie versus Watford. You had Romelu Lukaku uh, scoring two, actually, against West Ham. You had Alvaro Morata uh, scoring against Burnley after getting subbed on. And you had Alexander Lacazette, who scored, uh, I saw that, that uh, header um, against Leicester City in the Premier League opener. So, good to see that a lot of these transferred people are, I guess... I mean, it's only been one game, but for one game, living up to the price. So, um, that's cool. Um, I think that, specifically, I, I knew that Lukaku, or, I mean, it's too early to say, but I think that Lukaku still is going to succeed. I think that he's got he's got more technical ability than people give him credit for, and he's also just a very athletic player, obviously. He's, he's sometimes dumb on the ball, but I think off the ball, he's... He can, he can be a very smart player, and um, I, 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 I look forward to seeing him more. Uh, Mohamed Salah, I think, that, I think that he is definitely a lot more reliant on his pace. Um, he could have scored a few more goals on, based on the highlights uh, that I've seen in that game, but getting a goal and drawing a penalty, I mean, it's really on the Liverpool defense for, um, you know, <laughs> losing that game. But I, I'm a little bit biased because, um, you know, I like Salah since he was on Roma and I'm a Roma fan. But um, also, and I guess in Liverpool's defense, the, the last goal by Watford in additional time did look to be offside, but uh, that's besides the point. Um, uh, I, I, I guess, I guess, okay, I, mean, I know I just said that's besides the point, but I want to talk a little bit about Murata because Murata came on and did a lot in the little time that he was given. He did make one mistake, though, which was tapping in a goal that, or uh, tapping in a would-have-been goal, but he was offside, which canceled out the goal. And um, But he did have a goal, and he did have an assist. So, um, good performance by Murata. I th- always thought he was a little bit underrated. People always put him under the Lukaku's, the uh, the Lacazettes, which he might be, but people almost seem to put him in like a different stratosphere, and I really don't. I really don't think so. Um, I think I think that he's competing right there with those guys. Um, but that's enough for those you know transferred players to the Premier League that put up good performances. Because I want to get into transfer rumors that are happening right now. So reports say that AS Monaco players have been informed that Kylian Mbappe will be leaving this summer. And obviously, this is amid links with PSG, fellow Liga side, and a lot of reports are saying that this transfer could be above 200 million euros, which is a lot, a lot, a lot for this 18-year-old. But last year, in 29 league appearances, he had 15 goals and 11 assists, really good on the ball, really good pace, a lot of upside. I can understand why he's an expensive player. But again, it's just hard for me to actually say that anyone's worth that much, but this would be absolutely huge for PSG. Now, it would 100% seal winning the league, and that is why that I'm not so concerned about financial fair play because obviously there's going to be a penalty. You, you cannot. I mean, I don't. They haven't. I mean, I'm trying to think. They haven't. If they've sold, I can't even think of any players they've sold right now. But they haven't sold much, at least, and 
they're spending nearly or over 400 million euros. That's going to come back in financial fair play. It, it is going to. But if they have a transfer ban, I think they have what they need. They have that established player in Neymar. They have that that upcoming youth youth player. I mean, you can't even really call him a youth player. Uh, a player who's in his youth in killing Mbappe. And they're set, I think. Like, like, I think that even if they had a transfer ban for a long time, I think that they'd be... They'd be in a decent position to easily keep winning league uh, these next few years, especially since you're taking away a player from your rival. Uh, obviously, AS Monaco won league uh, last year, and Mbappe was a big reason for it. And if you're taking away your one, your one of your biggest competitors' best players, then it's going to be an easy time. And I think that they can really focus on the Champions League. And I, I while I understand that it's a lot of money, I think they're, they're going to make a lot of it back in jersey sales for Neymar because he's such a big brand. And I also think that the penalty will be worth the kind of success they'll create. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer in this PSG team. And I know it's like, I'm like treating them like they're just some kind of like new team, but they haven't really done that well in, in Europe or, you know, in these past few seasons. I mean, like the, I can remember them getting to the quarterfinals, but I think in the past four four years or so, four or five years, I don't remember them getting past that. So I, I think that they're up and coming in the sense that they're going to be a threat to Real Madrid now. They or they're going to be a threat to Bayern Munich now. I I think that this team, you know, it's I like what they're doing here. I like that they're going all in, and I'm I'm excited to see what's next for PSG because. Uh, I just can't help but uh, get excited about uh, Neymar, Mbappe up front. That's just crazy because that, that, that pair is going to last a while. Anyways, talked a lot about PSG today, probably more than I've ever done. But that is all I'm going to be talking about. I look to do another European recap along with maybe some MLS matches, uh, whatever I can watch, and maybe do a story again next week. Um because I am really excited about this season starting. More excited than I've been in previous years. I don't know why, but um, uh, after actually this weekend, Serie A starts, which is really exciting. So uh, whether you <laughs> whether there's demand for me talking about the Roma game or not, I probably will slip it in somehow. But please uh, stay tuned for that episode. But I have to uh, talk a little bit about how you can reach us now. Uh, we have an email for this podcast at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter and Instagram. Those handles are at soccerbrotherspod. We have a SoundCloud, Podkicker, iTunes. You can, you can find us all there and listen to the podcast on those platforms. SoundCloud apparently is here to stay, which I'm really excited about because that is our, one of our main platforms. So, um, we can continue to upload there and you guys continue, can continue to listen there. Thank you so much for showing us so much support. And I look to provide more consistent content as this season starts to kick back up um, and I start to be in town a little more as, uh, uh, as school starts. Um, so I'm really excited to uh, continue doing this. And the hall should be back within a few months. So um, I'm really excited about that. It'll be exciting to get him back on. I know sometimes I can get a little bit, I guess, monotonous and my voice dies out a little bit at the end of these, but I'm trying my hardest. So thank you so much for the support. And I will see you guys next time on episode 78 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Thank you so much. Go!